0: Welcome to Generally Assembled, formerly the PA Policy Podcast, but that's in the past, but we're still your preferred PA legislative podcast.
1: So it's new, but the same great content that people have come to depend on, right?
0: Yes, we are changing the way in which we're referred to in our uh, our email bylines. To the parentheses is now podcast, generally assembled. All right. It's exciting yeah that's that's what we prefer to be called these days. well let's go <laughs> all right uh, the number one thing that we uh we want to talk about this week i think is ag shapiro these days can either stand for attorney general or aspiring governor and this week we saw no greater clash of those two than on his quote-unquote
1: major break with Governor Wolf on the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative, also known as Reggie. Now, to be clear, this was just a major break on the campaign side of things, right, as he's riding around in the Big Fights bus. Um, I don't think he's doing anything from his official office, right? Hey, do you think the Big Fights bus runs on gas? Uh, actually, diesel. Oh, really? So they're, yeah. they need not those Pennsylvania- fossil fuels. Yeah, they need those fossil fuels. Not, not Pennsylvania natural gas, diesel.
0: Well, that's all right. I mean, because, you know, we do mandate that some of our buses, like the CAT buses here in Harrisburg do,
1: that have to run on, uh, on natural gas and clean energy. Right. But if you're running for governor, we can't be inconvenienced with such things.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like the federal politicians when they talk about needing, uh, like John Kerry and others, when they talk about the need for climate change reform and doing things to protect the environment. Fly around to all these good uh, and clean environment press conferences and, and symposiums on private private jets. But right. neither here nor there. Josh Bureau this week did say that he does not support Reggie on the policy side. However, his uh, official side said that that has to be split apart from his attorney general role in reviewing the form and legality of the Reggie regulation that is currently before him. So, I mean, look, this uh, clearly has to be a position where, you know, if the attorney general can't decide between his actual role as attorney general and being— an aspiring governor maybe it's time that he step aside because if he's saying on the policy side i can't support this because it's bad for pennsylvania uh, but he's not going to actually stand up for the people he's making these promises to including our national energy independence uh including pennsylvania blue-collar jobs and look we th- as the republicans sent him a letter outlining the reasons why the reggie regulation is not legal so he has right. plenty of grounds to find that so look if he can't be consistent on the campaign trail between his official job and what he's saying in, in political world
1: probably some step aside. And we've made those arguments before IRC, the Independent Regulatory Review Commission. You know, eventually, I I think we'll probably be making those arguments in court as well. uh, If the governor uh, continues to push forward with this, that's the double standard, right? I mean, he can't hide behind saying, look, my office only reviews for form and legality. There are plenty of legal pillars to stand upon to not approve such a regulation. We would be, Pennsylvania would be the only state, that would enter reggie without an act of the legislature i mean i think that our attorneys our leaders have pointed that out multiple times that this is a tax and a tax cannot be enacted without an act of the general assembly the governor does not have the ability to simply enact a tax on his own and we've pointed that out uh you know josh shapiro could could actually save blue collar jobs by simply uh you know following that standard You know somebody once told me that if uh, hypocrisy became out of
0: fashion in harrisburg then many people who work in this building would be out of jobs i mean look we still have a role as the legislature to play and the senate really got that moving uh actually yesterday on wednesday in sending a concurrent resolution over to us to disapprove of the reggie regulation now we then have to have to act within a certain time period on that regulation i think given that this is an important issue we will see quick action in the house on that certainly then that would have to go to the governor and he could sign or veto it and we're expecting a veto but then we would have to then override so look there's still a lot of legislative time to make these arguments i think the real question needs to be in the people's mind right now especially people that care about reggie and the people who are wondering where the attorney general is going to be and whether they're going to give support to him as governor based upon this is how is he going to act in his official capacity and is he going to stand up for what he believes and stand up against what he believes is bad policy based upon the numerous grounds of illegality and 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 troubling process by which this this reggie stuff
1: has been moving forward you yeah, don't hold your breath i think he's too busy uh, making TikToks on the big fights bus but you know speaking of instances where josh shapiro has failed to hold people accountable uh, let's talk about well, is this a transition yeah. this a transition Yes. This is a transition. transition I'm really to a new topic. Let's <laughs> right. talk about Kathy Bookfar.
0: <laughs> let's not talk about Kathy Bookfar. Well, we have, but no. let's talk about the YWCA of Bucks County and their uh, their recognition of Kathy Bookfar. Uh, you know, this has been really troubling because the Kathy Bookfar's office, when she was Secretary of State and she had to resign from that office in disgrace, really almost literally dropped the ball to advertise a constitutional amendment that overwhelmingly passed the General Assembly two different sessions that would have given the ability of child sex abuse survivors to obtain justice now that the statute of limitations has run, it would have opened up a a window of civil liability for them to sue and finally get that justice after years of, of not being able to do that. This was a very tough episode for survivors of childhood sexual abuse and, you know, two of uh, members in the General Assembly, Representative Jim Gregory, who's on our side, the Republicans, and Representative Mark Rossi, who's a Democrat, have been very outspoken on this issue and wrote to the YWCA of Bucks County, who is giving the disgraced former secretary a Women of Influence uh, Award today, Thursday basically saying they should pull this because it's very uh, emotionally uh, triggering for those survivors. And to recognize her in a positive fashion is something that is really tone deaf on their part, not realizing her role to play. Now- The YWCA says, well, we're not recognizing her because of what she resigned for. We're recognizing her because
1: of her role in electing Joe Biden as president because she ran what we feel are, quote, fair and free elections. Right. And there's plenty to criticize there. Right. I mean, um, the the number of, uh, you know, lines that she moved during that election. I mean, there there were there were numerous court cases over it. Um, But I mean, I think the important point is, I mean, she had to resign in disgrace as a secretary of the Commonwealth for anybody to honor her is laughable, I think, right? Yeah, I mean, imagine if she was a Republican instead of a Democrat. Right.
0: The the Democrats would be going completely bonkers over this, and People would be canceled. Uh, funding would be pulled from the YWCA, and frankly, the YWCA would probably cease to exist as an organization because you would have celebrities coming in from Hollywood to talk about how this is a terrible uh, tragedy. And but no, you know, when this is just a show of how there's a deep political double standard here. But also, when you have organizations who are more focused on caving to wokeness rather than doing what's right, you know, you're going to get a bad result. And I think as long as you're seeing this being on the side of being woke, then you basically have immunity from criticism and you just have to say, no, 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 look, we, you know, they we're trying to do this thing because she did a really good thing somewhere else. And people go, oh, yeah, that's about right. So look, you know, Representative Gregory, Representative Rossi have been speaking out on behalf of sex abuse victims here for a long time. And I think they're right on the money for this award. The, the YWC actually said there's nobody more deserving of receiving this award than Kathy Bookvar, despite the fact that they're honoring 13 other women tonight. I guess Kathy Bookvar is the most deserving uh, of the award. Oh uh, but, uh, you know, I can't really imagine anything more tone deaf or callous when you're talking to victims of childhood sexual abuse than saying there's no more nobody more deserving of being recognized for their work than the one who re-victimized you by such a gross and incompetent failure.
1: Speaking of gross and incompetent failures, let's talk about the Department of Health. Oh, let's let's please do that. That's another transition. It's, it's a good transition. I was trying to think of one, actually. You know, for those that are longtime listeners to the podcast, they know about my affinity for public health data. Uh, I read it every day. And, uh, you know, this week, I actually starting last week, I started to notice a trend. Um, the Department of Health, for the last couple months actually several weeks has been putting out daily updates again on uh, covid case numbers hospitalizations deaths etc and i you know for for you know at least 10 weeks now uh, in those updates there has been a line that has said that the 14-day average on hospitalizations with covid has continues to increase and uh, i kind of had a problem with that because actually last week on wednesday october 20th Hospitalizations peaked. They hit the peak, and you know anybody that's been looking at the data knows that uh, there's these peaks in the COVID cases, COVID hospitalizations. Peaks and valleys. Peaks and valleys, right? And we're we're kind of in the fourth wave, if you will, uh, with the Delta variant and other things. And hospitalizations peaked on the 20th, and since that, every day and over the last eight days have continuously declined. And you look at those peaks and valleys, that, that's the normal trend. So uh, the Department of Health continued to put out that they continue to increase. So like anyone who wants to change the world, I sent a tweet. And I called it out. And I said, great work, Neil. I know. <laughs> we are the world, you know. And I called it out. I called out the Department of Health. I said, you need to update your talking points. And thankfully, they have, although, uh, you know, not to a more positive tone. But uh, now their talking point is that hospitalizations remain consistent. You know, it pains them to say, I guess, that the data suggests that we've now hit the peak and we're on the decline. And why is that important? The old saying in newspapers is if it bleeds, it leads, right? Or or, or the same with uh, TV news. If it bleeds, it leads. Well, I guess if it comforts, it gets buried or we don't even write about it at all.
0: Yeah, as long as we're not creating an atmosphere of emergency and chaos, uh, we're not going to be telling people that. You know, I guess the real lesson here is that uh, there is no peak high enough. There is no valley low enough
1: to keep COVID data away from Neil. Right. And why is this important? I think that there's... uh, Why is this That joke just hit, folks. It just hit. It just hit. (laughs) Um, There was an article on NPR's website. I don't normally read NPR, but the headline... uh, Oh, yes, you do. Come on. (laughs) Sometimes I do. Uh, But the headline caught me uh, because the headline was, ERs are now swamped with seriously ill patients, but many don't even have COVID. And in the article, it says months of treatment delays have exacerbated chronic conditions and worsened symptoms. Doctors and nurses say that the severity of illnesses range widely and includes abdominal pains, respiratory problems, blood clots, heart conditions and suicide attempts, amongst others. So while the Department of Health continues to try to get people focused on the COVID scare, there are other public health issues that are going on that we should be talking about.
0: That's absolutely true. And um, I think, you know, one of the things that I saw yesterday was that actually as schools opened uh, across the country, hospitalizations, not only among school-age children, but also the general population started to decline. So we had this whole thing about how kids are going to be getting COVID at record numbers. And, you know, despite the fact that there was a patchwork of masking requirements throughout the country, and we even started here in Pennsylvania with some having masks and some not, you know, the number of COVID hospitalizations continued to go down. And that's because what we know has remained true from the beginning of the pandemic, which is even though children and school-age children are susceptible to getting COVID, their symptoms are much less severe. They infrequently require hospitalizations. And the death number from COVID in, in younger people is extremely low, especially even lower and almost non-existent if you, if you take it to those without comorbidity. So um, I think you know we need to make sure that when we're talking about data, you know, look, this all goes into this larger transparency argument uh, that we've been Having on this podcast for some time, uh, which makes me wonder if, even though we don't take call-ins, if we can ever have a first-time, long-time person on this show, uh, maybe as a guest, I guess. But long, long maybe, story. Maybe our producer Chuck. Yeah, he's yeah. That's probably that's probably so right. Really, he to can chime in for the first <laughs> time, but he's been here for a long time. Uh, but now's not that time, Chuck. Anyway, I think that you know one of the things that this goes into the larger transparency argument for is that. Um, You know, they don't want this data out there because when people actually have the data uh, outside of their spin, um, then they're going to see that basically their arguments are bunk. Um, that they're overwrought with uh, f- fear and terror and the need for more government control. And, um, y- you know, the, the fact the case that they're making doesn't really make much sense. And look, that's not to say that we don't believe in the vaccine. We don't believe in people being healthy. We've been working towards those things as a caucus and, and, and making sure those options are available to the people who think that they're right for them since the beginning of the year and making this, you know, be a focus. But we also want to focus on doing the right thing that makes sense. And bringing sense to that. And having full data and, and a full picture of what's going on is necessary to doing that, and carrying not only out our legislative function, but the proper ex- explanation of people about why we're taking the path that we are. And the Wolf administration has just been selling the data they want to sell because they're the keepers of it. They can portray it however they want to, and they can keep people in a state of fear and anxiety and, and say, we're the only ones who can save you for as long as they want when they're not being clear about what the actual information is.
1: Well, that's exactly why I read the public health data for... For myself uh, because reality seldom uh, matches up with what the leftist mob on twitter is pushing um so i would encourage everybody read the public health data yourself um be informed about what's happening um it's not that hard it's all online yeah let's end up on a happy note here this week we successfully concluded uh, an entire session week with both the house and senate in session and the east wing uh, escalators are still working they are working, and it's it's it's
0: truly a miracle. I think it's a team effort. Right. Um, you know, I sent out a tweet on Monday wondering if they were actually going to do that. It was liked by House Democrats, House Republicans, Senate Democrats, Senate Republicans, Wolf it administration staffers. Everybody, everybody was on board with Team Escalator. They did it, folks. We got there together. Although there's still one more day in the week, I don't want them to tucker out
1: and uh, and 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 lose their their momentum. Right. that got them here and, thus far. And you know, I was looking at the data, and uh, the last time this happened, I, I believe was in the rigid administration. So, I mean, that's that's amazing. Now, you know, I might be a little off on that. Uh, I'm sure the AP will fact check me. In fairness, uh, the Department of Health is responsible for keeping that data, so it's hard to tell <laughs> whether it's accurate or not. I said it, so it's true. All right, folks. Well, that's the end of Generally Assembled for this
0: week. Uh, Neil and I are taking off our tinfoil hats uh, as we return to our regular jobs, but you can find this podcast at www.pahousegop.com slash podcast where this and all your other favorite house GOP podcast can be found. I'm Jason. I'm Neil. And we'll see you next time.